0: Annie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I always start the episode real quick with kind of discussing why I wanted to have you on. I just, I'm going to ask you for your own little intro, but for the person who knows me but doesn't know you and thinks like mm-hmm. why would Jordan want to have this person? Not why you versus like all the other million other people. And so I don't know how most people see you. And I might be totally off base with like my perception of you and social media. But when I first started following you is mostly for like your mostly for your strength training content. there was like a lot of like you were teaching big mo- movement patterns, the like mm-hmm. quote the basics, the under the importance of progressive overload and keeping it simple and, and understanding that you know doing the same stuff relatively speaking over and over is like a really good way to go about things. It's a sentiment that I definitely subscribe to. Um, and, but more recently it's been more of your business coaching content, which I find interesting. And that's kind of going to be a little bit more of the thread today. Like I get spammed every day with business coaches and I'll click on their profile and I don't care that they have like no followers. Like sometimes I'm like, well, how are you supposed to be helping me? Um, and, and then they also don't have anything that has anything to do with, with, with fitness in any way, shape or form. And that might be a weird bias that actually doesn't make sense. It might not be logical. Maybe you could be really great at helping me, even though you aren't in the fitness space, but there is just something so refreshing and it sets you apart because you have this really nice blend of like fitness and business where it's like, if I was going to hire somebody, I would probably lean closer to somebody who really understands the, the actual industry I'm in. And so I feel like that does really set you apart. So really excited to chat with you today. That's something I really definitely want to dive into.
1: Yeah. Um, I, sh- I share that bias and that <laughs> bias is largely why I got into business coaching is because yes, if you are a, any, anyone in the health and fitness industry in the online space, I am sure gets the DMS from the spammy business coaches yeah. and, you know, yeah, maybe some of them are like legitimate business coaches, but, um, anytime I went to someone who I was like, you know, maybe this person is, could help because you do feel extremely overwhelmed when you're starting in the online space and you do want a course or a coach or some kind of roadmap to follow. So I would go to their page and then either same thing, like they didn't actually establish a following. So like if you haven't done it and you supposedly help other people do it, I'm just confused. Um, and then, or they had no proof of like, where is your successful fitness business? Because, or any, I guess any business really, like if I can see that you have built some kind of successful business outside of business coaching, because it's really fucking easy to sell business coaching. <laughs> like where was the entrepreneurial success that you had outside of coaching business before you coach business? So, um, that was largely why people started coming to me when I began to build a somewhat sustainable online platform and business in the fitness space in the absence of using my body to do so, which was intentional on my part, but not like it wasn't intentional that people were going to come to know me for that. It was just, that was my intention was to come at it from a more, what I viewed as professional standpoint. I come from college strength and conditioning where the standards were same for all men and women. Like everybody wore a polo, everybody had the same dress code. It wasn't like, oh, we're trying to, you know, keep the women modest. It was just none of the guy coaches ever wore tank tops. That is, that is my lens that I see through, I guess. So anywho, uh, people in the online space, largely women were like, Hey, how do I do what you're doing? Because I feel like there's this pressure to show my skin or sell my body or use certain angles. And I'm just not about that. Or on the business side, sales calls, cold DMs, all of the things that people didn't want to do. And there's nothing wrong with sales calls. There's nothing wrong with cold DMing. I think there's a way to do it ethically uh, and aligned with yourself, which is the most important thing in my opinion. Uh, And so that is when I was kind of, thrown into business coaching. I said I never would because I thought all business coaches were super spammy and disgusting. Uh, I never hired one. And then I was like, well, maybe I can do it better or different. And so I attempted that.
0: Yeah. And that's awesome. That sets the stage a little bit. Let's backtrack a little bit and start maybe yeah. just from like you, you were in collegiate athletics or collegiate strength training. Mm-hmm. And so let's do a little bit of backstory. I'd love to hear about that. And then maybe just like the, the arc of, it sounds like you were from there to coaching. Like, phys- like a fitness coaching more so whatever the yep. realm was, and then it became of like oh well how do I do what you do and then you decided to do this so I'd love to hear yes. in your words kind of how that went
1: yeah so um I got my exercise and support science degree back in 2012 uh and that was with the focus of being a collegiate strength and conditioning coach that was the goal I needed to get my CSCS and become a college strength coach interned as a college strength coach loved the education. Loved my experience have literally nothing negative to say about my experience. Other than I figured, do I want this 10 years from now? When I looked at the head coach, the assistant coach, other people in the industry that I hadn't even worked with. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know if I actually want my life to look like 12 hour workdays for maybe not the best pay, even though I do love it. I wasn't going to be as obsessed or in it. In that sense, like I love the human body. I love, you know, for a lack of a better word, manipulating the human body via science. Uh, but I thought I need to do this in a different capacity. I need a backup plan. Um, and so basically from 2013 to 2015, I was in this like limbo of, I don't want to work at a globo gym, quite frankly, was overqualified to work at a globo gym. Um, I thought I wanted to work with athletes, not general population, which I think a lot of, co- a lot of young coaches are like, I only want to work with athletes, <laughs> which I, I under, I was there. I was there. Um, I also interned at a physical therapy clinic as a performance coach. So like filling the gap between when someone is done with physical therapy, but they're not ready to return to sport. There's like very few, um, I don't know, like offers or things that people can enter into that space when they can really get ready to work in their sport how they were and truly return to sport did you did so you I like really doing that
0: because i think that it. there's there i know at one company uh, active life that they, yeah, they yes. that i've worked i worked with i had some patella tendonitis stuff and i just didn't even know where to begin and so there was yep. i thought i always think of this bridge between you know, I have, uh, you know, my girlfriend's mom had like a uh, I think she had hip replacement and she had like a big, mm-hmm. like PT. And we, and I, I just have heard a lot about that. And then my girlfriend had a double, uh, labral tear, uh, hip surgery. And so watched her go through PT. And it was just, there was just this feeling of like, they're not really understanding what you want to get back to doing. And so, when she, so we both have had that experience. And so you, you did enjoy that though.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Um, it, I didn't love, I used to actually complain about my experience in that internship. Uh, to the people at the university that I was working at, uh, and the head coach said to me, Annie, you're always learning. So maybe at that internship, you're learning like what you'll never do or an approach you're not going to use. And I was like fuming at the time. (laughs) Um, but that was such good advice. And it was true because I was like, okay, well, I do love aspects of this. And I always said, like, I wanted to go to physical therapy school, but to use that education in a personal training sense, like that would have been like the perfect thing in my mind, which is basically what active life does. I mean, realistically. So I went through their immersion course. I'm friends with Dr. Sean Pastuch. Love them, love the team. All of the all good things to say about active life. Um, I also really do enjoy knees over toes guy. I don't know if you follow him, but kind of the same like regression, progression, range of motion, joint health, all of those things involved. So anywho, fascinated by all of that. Um, and in 2015, got my, decided I'm just going to work for myself because I don't want to, we weren't going to move. So I just got married in college as well. Uh, And we had decided, basically, we got married in my last semester of college and said, if my husband was not moving up in the company that he was in, we would follow me to get my master's wherever I wanted to go. And if he was moving up, then I would figure my shit out and do something here. And that would be that. So that was the direction we went. Um, I decided to start my own business after applying for a few places locally that I just was like, it pains my soul to think about working there. Like, I just cannot, I cannot do it. I won't, I would rather struggle working for myself than work somewhere. Which, I don't which place work. is a
0: PT officer or a gym as a P- as a personal trainer. Um, there
1: was one of them was like a kind of a boutique gym in Portland. Uh, and the other one was an actual personal training facility here. in. they do exclusively personal training, uh, in Vancouver, Washington. But again, it's just, you know, if I just left strength and conditioning in the college space, because I looked 10 years down the road and said, I don't want to be here. Why would I swap that for another job? That I don't want to do (laughs) 10 years from now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, that was fit designed by Annie got my business license and I was training people in person at the cheerleading gym that I coached cheerleading at. So the person who, um, owned the cheerleading gym, her husband had been training people out of it. So he had like, you know, a squat rack and some equipment, um, and a little training area, and he was like, Hey, do you just want to take over some of my clients? So I just started training people in person, which was amazing because I could do everything my way, which is very important to me, very particular in the way (laughs) I wanted to do things. Uh, which is why I I never wanted to work at a a globo gym because it's like, I don't want to follow your programming or your sales protocol. Like I just want to do things my way. It's just in me. So anyhow, uh, built, you know, filled up a one-on-one roster at the same time. So in 2015, I started my Instagram account because the owner of the cheer gym is way more techie than I am. And she was like, you know, you need to, you need to use Instagram. So that is what I always suggest to people. If you can work in person for one to three years as a personal trainer, or, you know, if you're in dietetics as a nutritionist or um, registered dietitian and build your online audience at the same time, And then transition online because you've built that trust, that know, that likability online, that's like the perfect way, which I did not do it with that much intention. But like, that is what I would tell someone to do now, if they can, because even if you build a successful in-person practice, no matter what that is, if you then transition into the online space, you are starting from ground zero. You have no audience based. Nobody knows anything about you. They don't trust you even though you've built this amazing thing in a different world, basically, yeah. you really do have to start from zero. So anytime someone thinks that they're like set in person, I'm like, just have an online platform. You
0: you immediately go from being like a, a big fish in a little pond to a yes. li- little fish in a huge pond.
1: Very, yeah. very big pond. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, after I got my business license, built the online or built the in-person side, uh, the goal was always to be online, always from, from the very beginning. Uh, And then in 2017, my husband asked if I wanted to travel the world. And I was like, yep, I do. Uh, So in 2018, we took off and that was kind of like my sink or swim. So several times I had wanted to like make a date that I'm going to stop coaching people in person, but there was just never enough pressure or reason to, Uh, I could keep doing both. So I did, which people often do in any situation. And that was my like, well, let's freaking do it. And then 2018 was a very pivotal year in my business. Um, was able to 3X my revenue just strictly because of the time and space that traveling allowed me, which is really funny. Like, go travel the world. Oh, and 3X your business because you somehow now have, have a bunch of time and no distraction. Uh, and then in 2019, started actually coaching in uh, business and filling kind of some of those gaps that I saw.
0: Yeah. It's not surprising that – I mean, it's it sounds surprising that you're like, I traveled the world but also had all extra time. But right. But you – Went from having one foot in two different things to, you know, jumping in with both feet into one thing and, and the, your your discussion of like, there was never this pressure. Um, COVID lockdown for me yep. was the moment that I stopped in-person training and never, ever went back. That was it. Yep. Uh, the minute that we locked down, we thought it would be two weeks. I was... I had begun somewhat of like a hybrid approach at that point. I had been posting for a while and had a uh-huh. microcosm of a following, like a couple of thousand people and from yeah. zero felt like it was all right. We're picking up That's here. i posting yeah. consistently. Um, but to start the podcast and to post every single day, sometimes multiple times a day and start going live and start focusing on the growth of that side of things, like really took that sort of push. Uh, and I'm very grateful yeah. for, it's weird, but very, very grateful for, I don't know where I would be if that hadn't happened and I hadn't been like you know, had to take that jump because you can get very comfortable doing what you're doing. And I knew that I didn't exactly. want to do this forever. I knew I didn't want to be in person forever. I was making mm-hmm. good money and I was a big fish in a little pond. And this other thing over here was scarier, although it definitely, I knew that it was calling me. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Yeah. Not there's the COVID, so many the push. No, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, there's, I think there's so many people and even across many different in- industries that COVID pushed them to take the leap and they're doing great now, which is, you know, awesome. Despite the thing that had to push them but um what was your background in fitness did you come from the strength world as well or a different different er- I came arena came from
0: a weird arena of i was a, I had a pre law degree and was supposed to go to law oh. school and then applied to law school got into law school and deferred for a year decided that i wanted to personal uh-huh. train for a year i was super burnt out I also didn't manage a lot of things, like a lot of things, all at once, and so by doing college and the LSAT and and like applying and stuff, I was just melted from school, yeah. and so I was like, oh, all right, okay, parentals, I'm gonna take one year off and I'm gonna do this personal training thing, uh, and it, from maybe the third day of personal training, I was like, yep, that's it, I'm not going, um, yeah. and I was hooked, and I got in in some ways lucky, some ways not lucky. I was in a boutique. Boutique combination of the two things you said, a boutique and personal training only okay. gym. It was uh, a boutique gym that was like 99% personal training, 1% membership yeah. and was taken under the wing by the owner uh, and really, really like thrived in that. And I, 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 he just threw me into the fire. I didn't really ha- I didn't have a certification. It was some real like, real like, like shady <laughs> shit, um, yeah. but really, but really fell in love with it. And the problem sometimes with what happens is that like, I hadn't been, I didn't come from a bad scientific thinking background. I didn't come mm. from, I didn't have different opinions. And so it really like soaked up like a sponge, a lot of the bad habits that happened there. And it was okay. really social media that expanded just like what else was out there. And at some point, like got a lens of like, I don't know if there was a moment one day, but like walked in one day and was like, I need to do a, a whole bunch of shit differently. Uh, and that didn't go super well. Um, a couple of colleagues of mine, we broke off into our own place. Uh, and then very quickly realized that being a gym owner, which is what I had done. That was not a vertical move for me in, in quality of life or income. (laughs) And, and that was like, it's funny. It's like two months before COVID. I was like, it hit me. I was like, this is not like you, like you had a little bit more foresight. I was like, I don't want to be doing this in 10 minutes, let alone 10 years. And so got out of that and uh yeah you got you guys traveled the country we moved from new jersey to austin we were able to okay. do airbnb nomad life for a couple months we were in yeah. uh, arizona and a couple other places so that was very fun and uh also grew my business at the same time because finally yep. it was doing just one thing and so yep. let's talk a little bit about that like transition from let's say college to in-person work to hybrid to finally being online You had mentioned, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about why you think it might be important to start with some form of in-person.
1: Oh my goodness. In-person is just invaluable. Like, obviously we know you need reps at something. And oftentimes I think people think training people online is easier, but it is not right. There's more things you have to be better at communication. You have to be better at looking for things within movement patterns on a screen from one angle because you are not in person, you can't walk around them 360 while they're doing a squat. So there are actually a lot more hurdles and challenges, I would say, in the online space than there are in person or maybe just different. Of course they have their their challenges, both of them. But um, I think interpersonal communication and just learning people is done better face-to-face and easier face-to-face, right? Like just getting in those reps with talking to different personalities, um, seeing that one person needs something explained one way and somebody else needs something explained another way. Um, really learning that in person, like somebody comes in, they feel like shit, they had a bad day or they slept like crap or whatever it may be outside factors from the gym, right? The life load affecting the load in the gym and you being able to modify on the spot and say like, Hey, what do you really enjoy? Let's just do some of that today. You know what I mean? Like those, those things that you, you're not going to do that in the online space. That's just not going to happen. Um, but that has value to the online space as far as learning and understanding people and just becoming a better coach in general. Can you? So both, go you, ahead.
0: Do you think you can tell by let's say you've let's say even inquiry of somebody who wants to to uh, you know hire you as a business coach? Uh-huh. You, can you tell sometimes you're like, hey, if I browse your content for ten minutes. I can tell if you've worked with real people, maybe, maybe not so much in person, but I can tell that you've immersed yourself in the average person's life or not. Cause I feel like I can.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I definitely think that there is a thing there. I think the way in which you educate and communicate tells me that you have in-person experience and, or you've just done your homework and understand people. Like right. it really comes down to communication for me and your ability to communicate.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about it being more difficult to teach online yes. and, and but it the perception being that it's easier to teach. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's much easier to teach in person. It's much easier. Oh, yes. it, well, it's easier and harder, I guess. It's it's it the threshold for quality work is higher and you can do more work and you can see more angles and you can go over uh-huh. things again and you can do a lot of things in real time. And actually yep. one of the I'm very grateful because when it went to Knowing what sorts of things like if let's say you're a coach out there, you're doing in-person training and you're thinking about moving online and we're going to talk a little bit in a little bit about what are some of the things that you might want to get in place to make that process easier. And so we'll call that in my I would call that some of like the pre-work, the work before the work, like Mm -hmm. the the systems or, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that are going to make your job easier, things that you can automate and a lot of that stuff. I kind of was able to think ahead of like, what are the problems people are going to face? You know, what are some of the questions that they're going to have? What are some of the things that I just want to go ahead and let people know before, because I've been through this with a person and had these back and forth conversations. Um, And so let's move to some of that of like, let's say somebody's transitioning. What What are some of the things they should be doing? Maybe it's from a social media perspective. Maybe it's from a... Everyone loves the word systems. I'm curious where your head is at with that sort of word. People want to build yeah. some f- sort of back end. What does that that process maybe look like a little bit without giving away your entire coaching business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I give away all the things. I'm, I'm good to go. Um, so for me, there's two things that you focus on. Well, I guess kind of three, but two for now, when you are entering the online space. One of those is you need an audience you have to build an audience. Um, And I know that people say like, you don't need a massive following, but you do need people that will eventually buy from you. So like we need to build an audience. It is a priority. Um, And I make that very clear in all of my teaching. So building an audience is number one, which is going to come through your content creation. Whether that is on Instagram or somewhere else is fine. Uh, A lot of audiences are already on Instagram, especially in the health and fitness space. I do think it's the best app for health and fitness content because it isn't as heavy as you know a full-on blog post, but it's not as tiny as the 10 words you can use on TikTok, right? There is this really nice balance on Instagram. You can build a community, well, I don't use the word community necessarily because it's more of an audience, um, via like, you know, daily stories. So you expedite people feeling like they know you, remembering that they don't know you, but you can expedite that feeling in that trust. So to me, like content creation and building an audience for free is the first thing you should be concentrating on. Um, That is easier when you understand who your ideal client is. So that's why I say it's kind of three things, right? Like you're going to learn about yourself through content creation. You're also going to refine your messaging, your philosophy. I think that's really important. I also think that's why it's really important to train people in person, because I think it expedites your process of finding your own training philosophy and coaching philosophy Um, and then an offer. So I understand people might be like, well, I don't really have a method or a process. And I'm like, but you do, you might not have defined it yet, but there is probably steps that you take each client through, whether it's in person or in the online space. If it's in person, you need to figure out how you're going to transition that into the online space. That's why you see a lot of coaches. Um, like I have a client portal, Annie's secret lab of brain gains. And that is where there's a bunch of like pre-made videos that people can watch when they join built by Annie, my 12 month membership. A lot of other coaches have a, um, like a welcome packet that just kind of goes over, like, what is RPE? What is a load percentage? What is tempo? Like all of those things, again, that you would discuss in person when you have this packet or welcome brochure or client portal that is filling in all of those gaps and hurdles that you would discuss in person with a client so getting in front of that with some kind of education client portal um, that's where you said like that experience allows you to know these are questions that are going to pop up i can't just give this person a program and expect them to read this language because they've never looked at this language before so those are the two things i would say to focus on are audience building and then your offer and making sure that your offer I'm not big on like perfection, but making sure that your offer is going to be exactly what people need and making it really freaking good and being able to deliver whatever the promise or outcome that you are promising is going to be, is really important.
0: Let's talk about the building an audience part. I think that can be a little daunting yeah. for some people. And mm-hmm. and two things jump to mind, this idea of like width versus depth and this idea of like, I don't need a huge following. I just need a- X amount of people to buy from me. I think of people in, my, in in our industry, I have some people in my mind that I know have a drastically smaller audience than me, but I know they do amazingly well. And I know that, that there are people in the inverse scenario as well. And so how do you reconcile? And so you could help define real quick, like this idea of width versus depth in terms of audience building, but, or, or content creation, uh, how do you communicate that to somebody who's trying to build an audience, maybe trying to build their coaching business?
1: Yeah, I look at the word engagement. So I'm less concerned with how big your audience is and a f- very very much so concerned with how engaged they are, how many DM responses you get from your stories, how many comments you get, are they sharing your content to their story? Like these are the things that we want to see on a consistent basis and that you want to encourage. So I'm big on like you are the leader of your audience. If your audience is not doing something and you want them to do something, we need to find a way to communicate that to them to encourage them to let them know like, "Hey, it is normal on my page for people to share stuff. It is normal to comment here. And you'll notice that, you know, when you as a consumer go to someone's page that people are commenting on or people share the content, you are more apt to do that as well because you see that it's a normal thing on this person's page to do that. So remembering that you are very much so in control of that communication and really I like to view it like there is a relational piece of course to Instagram, but I am very much so, I use it very objectively. So I'm very like data systems approach driven, um, but not losing like you know your own personality and brand identity within looking at the data. I guess.
0: So okay, I, I love that, frankly, and I think uh, two things. One is, so there's some element of being okay asking for that stuff, you know, and not right. like not like grubbing for it, but like letting people know <laughs> that hey, this is this helps support me, and yeah. this is like a normal thing, and it, you know, you use the word normal. Uh, I think that happens like I think there's some element before it becomes normal you almost have to either have just the world's greatest content ever and people just share it because it's unbelievable so there's a quality of content thing and there's also being okay asking for it I sweat a little bit when I have to post about my offering and I have to let people know like at the end of like a 10 swipe carousel where I've put in a time like by the way (laughs) sharing this shit really fucking helps Um, what do you say to somebody who's like hey I'm uncomfortable asking for that kind of stuff A, a call to action whatever
1: so I uh I'm a bit of a straight shooter. I would be like, then show me something else that works. Like if you aren't willing to show make up better as content.
0: In, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, but honestly, it's the same thing with like batching. I'm huge on batching and I'm like there is not one way to do business. There is not one way to do fitness. Absolutely. You know, I have clients that do sales calls, I have clients that don't do sales calls. I have clients that do webinars, I have clients that don't do webinars. If you don't want to batch and or batching quote unquote doesn't work for you then show me something that does yeah that's that's kind of my answer to that that's fine but you need something that works your people need to interact with you so if you don't want to ask for it and of course like let's find a way to ask for it that is playful um that is engaging with them Yeah, not cringy. i yeah, not yeah. cringy. Like, I almost like to get in front of the fact that, like, this is weird that I'm asking you for this, but, like, that. hey, yeah. this is, you know, just put it out there that it's weird that you feel weird. That's absolutely fine. Um, You know, a- address the elephant in the room, if you will. But also, if you're not going to do that, then by all means, show me, show me an alternative, and I will cheer for you.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's happened to me recently. I'm redoing my website because the first time okay. around, it was, like, very new to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have nothing against... It was like following very like it wasn't scripted in the sense that what I was written what I wrote was not me writing it but it was scripted in the okay. sense of like formulaic in the way it was yeah. laid out and there's nothing wrong with that I'm not like that's I'm not against that but I, rereading it two years later I'm like okay I really would love to say things Absolutely. a little bit differently here um, and part of what I wanted to do was you know get rid of some of the before and for this personal choice I wanted to get rid of some of the in your face before and after shots and okay and just not lean so heavily on that. Uh, and I want them to be there because you have to show people that you have success stories, you have to. Um, yeah. But I wanted to put some like text, text like like screenshots of stuff that people have said um, mm-hmm. about my program, about my coaching, about their experience. And I feel like those, I, in my heart, that might resonate really well. If like, this is very blatantly somebody else who wrote this um, alongside pictures and stuff. And so anyway, long story short, in my group, I was like, hey, I, I do a group Zoom with my group program. Um, yeah. Clients. And so I was like, listen, this, 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 like, I'm uncomfortable right now saying this, but it's really helpful if, hey guys, if I post like a little post real quick and you guys share like a very small, if you feel like you want to, there's no pressure, but just asking, say, hey, if you feel compelled to share your experience, here's where you can do that. It's really helpful for me. And just like you said, getting out ahead of that. And is so important of like, Hey, like, I'm not begging you to do this. Not, it's not, not, we're not trying to make this weird, but like, Hey, this does help me. And if you would like to help me, it's just like bringing that to the forefront of somebody's mind of like, Hey, this is just hitting the share button and sharing it to my page. Commenting does actually help. And so if you're on the Mm -hmm. fence, you'll bring a whole bunch of people off that fence into the engagement side of things. And so it's been, it's been very helpful. Even if you're uncomfortable, I agree with you. It's like, you don't have to do anything, but if you want to grow, you got to do something that works and this might be that.
1: It's when I, um, ask for testimonies, like it can always be weird to ask for testimonies in my email for built by Annie and one-on-one, um, not asking for testimonies, but when we get close to their termination date, people get awkward. People get real awkward <laughs> when it, when they when their end is coming. Um, and so I always like to, you know, like in my email that I send for that, it says we're not breaking up. This is not, we're not like dating. You're not dumping me. Like this is a no pressure. I want what's best for you. So if you feel good to go, or you are ready to try somebody else's training, like literally there is no pressure. I want you to enjoy movement. If you are going to do that somewhere else and or on your own, like you have my full support. So again, just like getting in front of what you know, someone may already be feeling, just call it out and then proceed to say whatever you were gonna say in any context or situation online.
0: Awesome. Let's let's yeah. let's look at like okay, so now I'm now I'm making content or I'm starting to make content. I'm starting to think about the content I'm trying to make. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about I'm thinking in my in my in my brain and my heart it comes to two things and they're not always mutually exclusive. They're not always at odds, but sometimes there's a, it's a Venn diagram in some ways. It's like how much of my content is made with the goal of engagement and aimed mm-hmm. directly at those people I know are, I want to attract versus mm. how much and it's so nice when these overlap but how much is it me blocking out that stuff and in an attempt to not burn out and enjoy my work posting stuff that i am interested in and it's nice and there's a blend but how do you reconcile those two motivating factors
1: yeah um that is that is the question <laughs> that's the question that's why you're I here <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> uh, I don't have a finite you know like 85 sure of course not no way of yeah. whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh but i definitely encourage. Like I said earlier, I'm big on data numbers strategy. Um, A lot of people wait for inspiration to create content. And I kind of swing the pendulum like real aggressively in the other direction, which is you should be creating content the majority of the time for your audience. What do they need? Like if I sat some uh, coach down and gave them an hour, they should easily be able to come up with 60 to 100 topics that they could post about. I mean, you could even just name that many exercises that you could share a cue or a variation or a grip or a tempo that you would use, right? Like this should be stuff that you can come up with. So when someone is struggling to create content in general, I'm like, take a step back, write everything, you know, pick a topic, make a post, right. It doesn't always have to be this like big inspiration thing. You are creating a catalog of your knowledge and approach for coaching so that when somebody comes to your page, they can poke around, get an idea and be like, yes, hit the follow button or eventually work with you. That content split for me probably is that 85, 15%, 85, most of it should be for your audience. Don't lose yourself in that process. That's what's important. So people can often get in that. I'm just, you know, become a robot basically. They're just creating this educational content, but they forget to put in their satire or their wit or their humor or their, their approach to coaching. Right? So for me, it's like, how do we marry these things? Kind of what you said more often than not. So in every post, you should be interjecting yourself. That is this like weird phenomenon that is having a personal brand. We need to approach Instagram from the point of a business without losing that personality vibe, why people are going to purchase from you because you aren't the same as someone else, right? Today I posted about zercher squats, very straightforward when you would use them, why you would use them, what's the history of the zercher squat. But I said that I use a hip thrusting pad in my dainty elbow pits so that it doesn't hurt, right? It's those little things that like that interjects me into that rather than someone else that could write the same exact post. Does that make
0: sense? No, it makes total sense. And it all, it, it can also be a way of – I'm just thinking of, like, the motivation to, to continue to make posts. I tell uh-huh. a lot of people that they're like, how are you so consistent with posting or your content – your page has grown so much lately. And yeah. I'm like, well, I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't posting stuff that I'm interested in. However, yeah. there is also – uh, it's, so, it's, it's such a two-way street because if you just post stuff that you're interested in, you will find people that are interested in that. And that's just kind yeah. of what I've loved about social media is – yeah. You know, you can cultivate an audience that cares about what you care about. That's why they're there. Um, but if you want it to grow, you also can't just be stuck on, I'm only going to f- post exactly what's in my current brain. I have to post at least some things that are applicable externally. And so that's, a, yeah. a, it's a. It's something that you wrestle with. And, and something that I thought a parallel is sometimes like, you know let's say you're 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 creating content you think is fun to create right you enjoy the type mm-hmm. of creation but it maybe it doesn't do optimally well versus other yeah. content that's a little bit less fun to make but engagement wise results wise it's really great mm-hmm. and so this is like analogous a ton to something we talk about on the podcast all the time it's like reconciliation of the type of training that you do that's fun versus the type of training that right. might bring you the results that you should also hopefully think is fun and so yep. there's this like enjoyment factor of like yeah you should be And I love what you said. I I saw your searcher squat this morning, and it it was probably uh, an element of you being like, okay, I'm going to do this post. It's going to be educational. It's going to be to the point. I'm going to share the searcher squat and some stuff about it. But then the way that it stops being boring and robotic and monotonous for you is to to interject some of like what's very blatantly your own verbiage and that people know to be you. And so I love that where you can be like, hey, I'm going to communicate a very straightforward topic of how much yep. protein you need. But in there, it's right. gonna sound like right. me doing it and I'm not gonna feel like a robot and it's not gonna be super fucking yep. boring. And so to kind of interject yourself into those more mundane mundane being in air quotes, uh, straightforward scientific potentially content ideas is really, yeah. really great.
1: Well, and I have a client right now, um, a one-on-one client who she has her PhD, very intelligent um, and she knows that she needs to create reels, right? The reach that you get with reels is unmatched. It just is, it's a fact. Um, again, you don't have to do them, but you better have some like real viral worthy carousel posts to back it up. (laughs) That's, That's the, if you want growth. Um, so anyway, we looked at like, how can she create reels that are fun for her to create that are educational, but that also hit those like, you know, quick transitions or things that make it kind of entertaining. Uh, so it is really marrying those two things. Like, how can I check some of these Instagram box that need to be checked, but also like not want to poke my eyeballs out. Like, how can I also enjoy the process? And that does take work and trial and error. And that's another, like having that long haul mentality of you're going to create content for who knows how long, probably a really long time. So let's find a way that, yeah, let's find a way that, you know, marries what you enjoy both in the actual medium of content. So if you like video or if you like text, like think about how many accounts you follow that have never made a reel but have a million Twitter style posts. They're really good at short, punchy content. Like it can be done, but that comes through trial and error. So
0: yeah. And I think the reels one is a that. common one. I'm sure you deal with the fucking every day uh, <laughs> of like, I'm uncomfortable making reels or I don't know how to make reels. And <laughs> yeah, so how yeah. can we, how can we take, and that might be a good like route of thinking about this. of like, this is the stuff that's going to do well and help you grow your business. How can we make it less boring, more fun, more of you instead mm-hmm. of maybe the, it's not that the other way around might not work. It might just not work as well. So like, I've definitely right. battled that with reels where I'm like, how can I how can I do reels consistently for me? Maybe it's like three to four a week. And can I figure out a way to not burn out doing this and make it even remotely enjoyable so that I can be more consistent with it for sure?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, they're, I know I follow people who, um, they never show their face on a reel. They do voiceovers. So maybe they're showing a tutorial something. Maybe they take a video of themselves doing a squat or a movement of some kind, and then they just put a voiceover over the top with like educational little text pop-ups that are happening. And I'm like, that's fantastic. You don't have to get on. You don't have to do the voiceovers. You don't have to sing or dance like, but ex- your, your creativity or imagination is the limit there. So if you can say like, how can this work for me? Then that's probably going to get you in a better spot than just saying, I don't want to sing or dance or point at words on the screen because I totally understand that.
0: Yeah. I'm holding many tongues right now with the word pointing. Um, That's yeah. the
1: worst. <laughs> fucking kills me. Like no judgment if anyone out there is doing that. I, am, I would rather have you do that than nothing. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, would. yeah,
0: yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So, That's fair.
1: Let's expand beyond that.
0: Let's just inhale, exhale, and we'll move out, move on from that. Let's talk about, uh, okay, Um, maybe let's touch on a lot of the, the places. I know that you kind of put Instagram up on the top of this hierarchy, but let's talk about some of the yeah. other places forms of content, other mediums, other platforms. Let's talk TikTok. Let's talk podcasts. Let's talk blogs. Let's talk, have a website. Like where are you putting a lot of eggs in the basket? Uh, how are you coming to terms? How you, how are you and a client figuring out where they should put their eggs in terms of platforms?
1: So ideally it's again, a marriage of where you enjoy being or the type of content you enjoy making and where your audience already is, which comes back to that. Like, do you know your ideal client? Because if you love Instagram, but your ideal client is actually on Facebook, well, we need to be on Facebook then. Like, cause the end goal here is to build a business. People with very money.
0: strong political views are my, are my, are my, are my target audience. And they're all on Facebook. Exactly. Family members <laughs> with really strong political <laughs> views is my target audience. And they're all on <laughs> Facebook. Like, Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. Um, and then accepting the, I mean, I think that Instagram, I am biased. It's my favorite platform as a consumer as well. Um, but I think that It has the best potential for growth. And I know people are like, I post seven days a week and I can't grow. It still has a potential for the quickest growth in comparison to say, you know, if somebody wants to be on Pinterest or if they want to be on YouTube, like that's a much longer game. There are pros to that because there is search-based content. Pinterest and YouTube are both search platforms. Instagram is a social platform. There is a difference. So Again, you can do things quicker on Instagram, I think, especially with like having daily exposure to your audience is huge. That is why I think you can grow so quickly on Instagram. Um, it's so many touch points so quick from the get-go. YouTube, Pinterest, um, Facebook is more similar to Instagram, I would say, but those are nice because you create a piece of content. It's a bigger piece of content. It takes longer to create, but it lives forever forever. Like that's a huge thing. So that is why I like personally to post on Instagram, but also turn those Instagram posts into blogs. And you could go the other way. You could write more of a long form blog post and then break that into three Instagram posts. There's no saying which direction it needs to go, but that gives me the SEO on my website. I only have to create one piece of content um, and that is search-based, right? So that would be through like Google search. Um, And then I put that on Pinterest, So that's one example of, you know, having that more social platform and then having a search-based platform. So if you can have two, I don't care what you choose. Ideally, again, it's where your ideal client is at. Otherwise you are somewhat wasting your time and to have one social and one search-based, but I would go with one first. And I know some people are against that, but I'm like, have you seen the list of things you have to do on Instagram to supposedly grow right now? It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. So I would go all ham on one platform first, really get the system down. Like you were talking about, like batching your content every two weeks, you know, that you make your grid first, you make the graphics, you batch your reels, and then you write your captions, like whatever that process is for you, nail that down do really well at that figure out what is your viral worthy content ideally my clients have like one to three topics that they know that they can leverage if they find that there's a lull in their following or in their engagement and they can just pop that in there and kind of give themselves a spike up with engagement and shareability so that is my take
0: yeah, do you okay so do you find do you have i'm sure you do um either actual analytics or just like anecdotally like what is the return on my effort for these searchable content um it is it is it is has interestingly been something that I've gone in and out of, let's say specifically blogs and just mm-hmm. f- entirely fallen out of love from. And so this goes back to like the fun component, but like yep. everything that's not fun can be overcome by a, a realization that it's worth your effort. And so if right. I was like, oh yeah, I found you from the blog or if it was like, oh, like there was some, you got, you must be tracking this stuff to know what works to point you in the direction to continue to do things that work. But like that to me is soul sucking. I hated, I didn't uh-huh. hate writing blogs, but I didn't get, that's so funny. It's, I didn't actually hate writing blogs, it's the lack of a dopamine hit on a blog that you right. do that you get on social media. And so <laughs> yeah. there's like this lack of immediate feedback where I'm like, if I go on social, I post it, I get to interact with my people. You know, it gets shared. I yep. see a lot of the good that I'm doing immediately with people. Oh, this is great. This is helpful. You, you know, you're in my brain or whatever they say is like, Oh, this is great. It's a yeah. little dopamine hit on the blog. Yeah. It's like, never ha- it will be referenced. Maybe that's my own experience. Blogs aren't yeah. good enough. SEO wasn't good enough, whatever. But like, it didn't feel like that, but it, 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 do you have, anecdotally or actually analytically like seen that it's like, okay, this is a worthy use of my time.
1: Um, Pinterest has shown me that. So 88% of my web traffic comes from Pinterest, which I did not realize because all of my blog posts are put on Pinterest and looped via tailwind. So that was a kind of an experiment that I did. Um, I can't, or have not tracked i guess how many of those turn into email list subscribers and purchasers sure, sure, sure. but just seeing that 88% right. of my monthly traffic comes from pinterest was like okay so i don't get the dopamine hit on my blogs but lord knows they're getting people to come to my website which is what i you want from feedback. any yeah. yeah any platform right and that was honestly why i i think everyone started out blogging if you started like <laughs> 10 years ago at least um but that was why i started taking my Instagram posts and turning them into blogs is because of the fear straight up fear was the motivator of Instagram disappearing and me losing five years of content which frankly I only backed up the last like two years because five years ago I disagree with myself Um, but it's on a schedule now so my assistant takes every post puts it in um, this platform and then I upload it and change whatever I need to about the content to make it more blog worthy uh, mainly make it longer but that was just honestly like if I'm gonna back up this content so that I don't lose it anyway, I might as well be putting it on my blog, and then putting it on a platform where people can find it more easily.
0: Is is what you just said something you help others do secretly curious?
1: Yes, my well, my one-on-one business clients, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Not, not. Yep. Yes, yeah. Because that to me is just like you need. There always is a is the juice worth the squeeze that needs to be assessed. Is this are these trade offs mm-hmm. worth it? And so it's like how can I minimize. Or optimize the ROI on my effort and time. And so this feels like can I automate this somehow and right. or even automate some of it and decrease the workload? Um that that's cool. I thought that I think that that's awesome. I think that's I'm to talk a little bit about batching contents, another thing mm-hmm. that I think that people were are pretty polarized on. Some people absolutely mm-hmm. hate it, some people love it, some people live by it, some people never would be consistent without it, some people can't yeah. c- be consistent with it. Would love to hear your take. I know you're an advocate for it or it works for you and and, and you think it can at least work for others. Let's talk about that yeah. a little bit.
1: Um, my life has always demanded batching. So like I said, I started Instagram in 2015, which back then it was just, you could upload one photo and a caption. That was it, right? Much easier to manage. (laughs) Um, but with that, I still was coaching people in person, trying to build the online business and also coaching competitive cheerleading. So 40 to 50 hour weeks, always, does not allot you time to just snap a picture and create a caption every single day it just doesn't so from the get-go like batching just made sense to me I didn't even know it was called batching back in the day it just made sense to do self-timer photo shoots for an hour in seven different outfits and then have a hundred posts ready to go right like that just logically made sense to me um so that is how I started and that is how I have simply just progressed over time. So if I have to do mini trainings for my stories, I would much rather do four of them in 12 minutes and have four mini trainings ready to go for my Instagram stories for the month. Um, Again, it just makes more sense for like managing brain space and creative energy, if you will. Uh, And those aren't like on a schedule. So with batching, I do tend to say like, wait until I kind of feel that inspiration wave uh and that is when i will batch a shit ton of content and normally i like to be two weeks out if i am not two weeks out i feel behind and there is nothing worse than like feeling like you have to post because you feel like you have to post Yeah, hate that for us hate that for us yep. so it, it is about coming up with a system that works for you some of some people like to you know create their grid first some people like to come up with you know 18 caption hooks or topics, and then they like to batch their reels. Like there's so many steps now to batching content. To be honest, you are creating carousels or taking video or doing reels. Like it's a lot to manage. So if you can figure out a system, which is going to come through trial and error, I can't like shake that into people's brains enough. It's you're going to have to try it at some point and find what works, like what worked, what didn't work, keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And the trial and error thing is important. I've, I've personally tried batching often. And the interesting part is my life does not require that. Like if I want, and so like, I'm just at home every day out. You were at the time and back in the day, you were like, Hey, I'm working most of the time. I only have four hours a week to create content. So I can't do one hour over four days. I need to do four hours in one block. But I definitely think that this, you could like regress the idea of, of batching and progress it. And like, I do think that one of the big issues I do see with coaches who come to me. I coach coaches, not for, business side but for just coaching and we talk about this as well is it like just not batching time for certain things and so you're like they take calls at all hours of the day they yeah so for me I batch my day where it's like this hour is where I create content these three hours Mm -hmm. are where I take calls this two hours is where I do education this one hour is where I do this and so whether that's that might be just some different regression of batching and so I do think that there's just like blocking time time blocking whatever it is just like not All the same. Yeah, it can feel super overwhelming if you're like, oh, I have to do these 10 things every single day and I do them at random hours during little pockets. It's like, no, 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 let's check-ins in this four-hour window, like, you know, write my programs in this four-hour window. And so I do think that there's at just, from a time management perspective, this is just one facet of time management that I think is a really important thing. I'm sure that that's a ton of what you guys work on.
1: Well, yeah, and I like to honor, like, I have found, I thought I loved structure Because structure was always imposed upon me. I had those like clients or internship or school. Like it was, my day was so scheduled. I functioned very well being busy and saying, I have 20 minutes to do this. So I'm going to, when my day became completely free, I was like, oh, this is much harder. This is much harder (laughs) to manage. (laughs) Um, You think you have all this time. And I'm like, you'll be surprised how good you are at wasting time when you have a lot of it. Uh, So I like to now basically choose, I call it a top two, but I have two priorities for the day. And some people like to time block, like know exactly on what day they are doing, what tasks at what hour, which I am for. If people reject that, like they hate that my husband could not, he would get nothing done just because it's on a schedule. Like, cause somebody said he has to do it. He's like, even himself, not,
0: even, even himself. himself.
1: he <laughs> will reject yeah, himself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Then you can just say, okay, well, we have these two tasks. Or you can say we have 10 tasks for the week that we have to get done. Wake up. What two tasks are you getting done today? Like, There's still that freedom aspect. We have the structure of this is what has to get done this week. But let's honor that you want to wake up and work on x. With the two hours or five hours you have today, what are we completing? So there's, like you said, that regression and progression. Some people like really, really, really rigid schedules. Other people need that like freedom of choice within what they're doing that day. And I'm absolutely fine with that as long as everything gets done.
0: Awesome, my last question before we talk a little bit about you competitive cheer and if you watch oh. cheer on Netflix, um, <laughs> is what would you say to somebody And this is something you hear thrown a lot uh, in terms of people getting, uh, discouraged maybe from going into coaching that the market is so saturated with coaches Mm -hmm. already. There's so many coaches, everyone's an online coach. You know, if somebody is sitting there feeling discouraged that they've heard that or think that themselves, is that how would you maybe address that conversation?
1: Um, I mean, put simply like no one, it sounds so cliche, but no one is going to do it like you, like it's the same as like the dainty elbow pit, right? Like, yes, everyone. As (laughs) (laughs)
0: Talks elbow about no,
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone has, it's a sensitive area of the body. Um, no, but I mean, everybody is going to talk about squat, hinge, push, pull, carry, but you have different life experience. You maybe have a different, like slight philosophy or way of communicating. So should no one else be a coach? That would be my question. If it's so saturated, then we should have no more coaches. There's no more room. Right. And when you flip that, you're like, well, no, of course there can be more. Right. So I guess flipping the script would be my question to them. So then we should just be done. There's enough. We don't need any more.
0: Yeah. It's also probably a lie. It's probably just this magnification of you being on social media. There's,
1: you feel like it, Yeah, you
0: feel like it's saturated and there's Jordan Syed, it was like one of my early going into the online space mentors, um, always would say they're saturated with coaches but it's not saturated with good coaches and it's not saturated well, with people. yeah people willing yes. to work hard was more of i think with the emphasis of like there's saturated with people but maybe not people right. who are going to put in the type of work and like you said some form of individualization that you have um, yeah yeah so that's always been motivating i'll say that to people it's Like, yeah it's saturated there's a lot of people posting about coaching but like you said there's nobody who's you and there's also yeah. not a lot of not as many if you shrunk that pool of all coaches down to the people that you know are going to work super super hard it's probably less saturated than you think
1: yes i would agree with that cool well let's talk about
0: you coaching cheerleaders (laughs) real quick because we we Uh, jenna just made me watch cheer on netflix and some of these people are in ridiculous shape and is that sort of like have you watched it you know what i'm talking about
1: i haven't watched it but yes in competitive cheer it builds a (laughs) very insane Good, good in my eyes, physique. Yeah, I'm a yeah. fan of the physique that it builds. Were you guys
0: doing a lot of like traditional, not traditional quote, but like what, how sports specific was it? Like, I'm sure it was very sports specific, but it, did it look like, hey, we need to build a good base, foundational strength? We're going to squat, we're going to hinge, pull, carry, all this stuff. Like,
1: um, well, obviously I was in college at the time. So like, yes, my cheerleaders did that, but it is typically very like gymnastics based. Right. So like hollow body positions, overhead, handstand holds, Mm -hmm. things of that sort. Um, lots of squats and whatnot, because it is cheerleading for me, like a power clean is the perfect movement for say bases in cheerleading. So weightlifting, you'll find a lot of ex cheerleaders go into weightlifting afterwards, because there are so many parallels. You see that with gymnastics and CrossFit, right? So Yes, there, there were a lot of parallels. Our girls that we coached uh, in the all-star realm, you know, weren't doing barbell anything, but the movements absolutely are yeah. very similar to that of weightlifting.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Explosiveness and, and a lot of gymnastics, mm-hmm. a big gymnastics component. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That was my last only personal question there. And so why don't you show everybody where they Show, geez, we're on a podcast. Tell everybody where <laughs> they can find you. Um, secretly plug a whole bunch of crap that I know you definitely have, like your Pinterest and all this stuff, and I'll tag it in the description. And secretly... <laughs> Uh, I'm interested in where they can hear more about your, where they can hear. But I'm secretly interested about uh-huh. your your coaching offering, your business side of things.
1: Okay, so yeah, uh, everything is mostly the same. So AnnieMiller.co is my website. It is also my Instagram handle. It is also my Pinterest handle. So AnnieMiller.co for all things. Um, I have a podcast, the FitzPro Podcast. I also have a business. My kind of signature business course is FitzPro Foundations. It is a six-week course. Um, people always ask, you know, can guys join? And I'm like, yes, I will speak to you very much so, like you are a female, but we call our male Fitzbros Fitzbros. And so that's just a very fun like thing that we do in our audience of FitzBros. Uh, and that is where I give that's like the roadmap I would say that I saw missing in the online space. So I did actually take B school with Marie Forleo, which I absolutely loved, but it just, it's like you were saying, like I needed something specific to my industry. Someone who understood like what is it like to try and grow a business as an online health and fitness professional, because it is just different. So that is that course, um, but you can find everything that you want that exists on my site.
0: Cool. Sounds good. I'll plug yeah. all that. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate yeah. your time.
1: Thank you. It was awesome.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at jordanlipsfitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.